Hi there and welcome to episode 38 of the LDS study session with me, Matt Roberts. And today I wanted to have a look, find, look at the final section uh, found in the Ideas of Personal Scripture Study of our Come Follow Me study this week. We are on July the 1st to July the 7th, Acts chapter 1 to 5. We sh- ye shall be witnesses unto me. And the section that I'm looking at is disciples of Jesus Christ are given power to perform miracles in his name. There's quite a lot of scriptures to study with this particular section. Uh, Acts chapter 3, 4, and then Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 31, and then Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 42. There is really a, a quite significant event near the start of the um, apostles' ministry um, among the among the Jews. And as I studied through this, there was a few sections that kind of stood out to me. And also the Come, Follow Me manual invites us to consider how each person uh, involved in this um, experience are affected. And so I'll kind of share my thoughts on this. Um, so Peter and John are, as we know, uh, going to, or going up to the temple, and they see this 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 man who has been lame from birth. Um, and so Peter basically uh, says the the well known phrase. If we've studied this uh, section before, silver and gold have I none, but such as I give of the I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And of course, he, um, he, the man is healed. Now, what is interesting straight away is that firstly, um, you know, they are, uh, the man himself is obviously elated. He, get, he stands up and we, we read that he stood, walked and entered into the temple, walked, leaping and, praised, and praising God. So not only is he clearly very, and that was found in verse eight of chapter three, uh, not only is he very happy, Obviously, you know, he's not been able to walk since he was born and now he can. So obviously that that physical joy is obviously apparent and completely understandable. But of course, he is praising God, which therefore means that he knows by what power he has been healed. Because, of course, Peter stated the authority. And I think that that, first of all, is an interesting point. Whenever in the Church Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints a, a priest of blessing is given, that or or anything really uh, within the priesthood, whether it's setting apart for a calling, uh, as I mentioned, my brother was set apart as a missionary uh, two nights ago. Um, you know, all of these things are done in the name of Jesus Christ, and I think that we sometimes do that a bit, not absent-mindedly, but we just kind of maybe rotely uh, say those words. However, do we understand the importance of stating that name? Firstly, yes, it's because. We need to invoke the, his power because it is the power of the Saviour that allows this to happen through his atonement, all the blessings that happen to us through his grace. But um, I think there's also another element to this, which is what we read in verse 8 of Acts, uh, chapter 3, is that when blessings and miracles do happen, and I have seen them happen as a result of the, the priesthood authority of, of, of our Saviour being used, uh, and our Heavenly Father's blessings raining down from heaven through this, it's, it's so that those involved know by which authority this happens. Because then I think the layman, yes, he was physically healed and that was great, but also spiritually he has been converted uh, to the Saviour through this great miracle. And we know that miracles obviously are not necessarily there to, to convert many, many people so that we can see them and say, oh, well, it must be true. We know that miracles are there mainly to confirm faith and strengthen faith, but there are times it it gives faith as well, like in this case. 
it may well be that this man had heard of Jesus of Nazareth and was pondering. And we don't know the context of what his faith was beforehand, but what we do know is afterwards, it was huge, his faith, his, his joy. Now, um, obviously, a lot of people will have seen this man. It says later on in the scriptures, and I, and, and I can't um, remember at this point, I think it's in chapter 4, it makes mention of how old this man was. Yeah. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, it says, For the man was above 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing was shewed. So clearly, if he's over 40 years old, um, and, he's, and it says uh, in the verses before that he uh, often was at the temple. In fact, he was there at the temple daily, asking for alms of those who go to the temple. I mean, what better place to ask for alms of people than in front of the temple? I mean, these people going into the temple, you would hope, are good people. So... Um, obviously that's probably a pretty good place to go to ask for, for some support and some you know money or whatever it is that he's asking for. Um, and then of course, so he's been there, maybe not for you know 40 years outside the temple because obviously I'm sure he wasn't there when he was a child, but he's been there pretty long for a pretty long time daily. So of course when people see him standing up rejoicing, they know that something's happened. Um, and so they come together, and when they see him, uh, they start wondering, and then Peter sees that they start coming, and then he answers them, and he teaches of Christ, saying about how they'd killed him in ignorance, but now they could repent uh, and come to the Saviour. Now, this is what, the next bit that interested me. So in chapter 4, um, verses 1 and 2, it says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, I find this fascinating because I remember studying in uh, previously about the Pharisees and the Sadducees because at the time of uh, the Saviour and at the time of, of the Apostles, there was these two distinct groups. And if you look in the Bible Dictionary about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you read this. I'm not going to read the whole section for both of them because they are quite long and there's quite a lot of information. But I do encourage you to kind of go and study these because it gives you a bit more context about what the, about the time of the Saviour, why these two distinct groups um, acted in the way that they did, and also uh, just how it kind of formed all the events around the Saviour and the events around the Apostles. Because interestingly, it says that as it, the, you know, the priest of the temple, the, the captain uh, of the temple, and the Sadducees took these apostles. And it, the Sadducees, Sadducees have a very distinct reason to why they would be particularly uh, frustrated at the, the teaching of the apostles. So the Pharisees uh, section, and I'm just going to read this section here. Um, it no, the name denotes separatists. They prided themselves on their strict observance of the law and on the care with which they avoided contact with all things with things Gentile. Their belief included the doctrine of immortality and resurrection of the body and the existence of angels and spirits. So it says there that the Pharisees, they believed that people live on. They were, they, there is immortality, there is resurrection, uh, and they believed these things. However, the Sadducees is very different. Um, again, very different things, which I encourage you to read in the Bible Dictionary under Sadducees. However, uh, it says this about their beliefs. They taught complete freedom of the will of moral in moral action. They were opposed to the Pharisees as to the belief in angels and spirits. They refused also to accept the doctrine of immortality as a necessary part of the Jewish faith. So, of course, these two men, particularly Peter, was teaching in the temple about how the Saviour has 
made this possible, this great miracle, and that he lives, that he has been resurrected, that it is now time to repent and come unto him. So, of course, they will take special grievance at this because not only are they teaching about a saviour, uh, which, of course, the, the Jewish people are looking for at still at this stage, for many, well, except for those that believe in the saviour, the other Jewish people are still looking for the saviour, but also this guy has been resurrected and he's the saviour. And this is, this is like a double issue for the Sadducees because not only is it the, the fact that pe the, the apostles are teaching that Jesus was the saviour of the world or the saviour or, or their saviour, but also that he was resurrected. So they've got an extra issue here now which they've got to deal with. They take him to the chief priests and they, they tell him to stop preaching. And of course, you know, Peter says they can't because, you know, God's told them what they need to say. Um, and then they go forward. A few other events happen, and then um, I find this particularly uh, interesting as well, that uh, once, because again, uh, we, go, we, we, move, we move forward uh, to chapter 5, as, as the apostles continue the miracles of Jesus, uh, in verse 15, we kind of see, you know, we, we've seen a real journey here for Peter. Uh, and let's just read this in verse 15, chapter 5 insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. I mean, we are talking um, astounding faith in these apostles. Peter, we, we've dealt with kind of the journey of Peter in, the, in this podcast, right from the start where he was first called, his testimony that he had, but, also, but probably not quite the, um, the faith that he had and the difference between, you know, a, a belief and, and having true faith. Um, we've talked about kind of the experience that he had when he first came to the Saviour, when they first met in, in, in the fishing boat, and then the second experience of the fishing boat when Peter was out and saw the resurrected Lord and the difference between the two Peters there. We've looked at his development in receiving the Holy Ghost, and now, you know, people are hoping that his shadow might pass over them so they can be healed. We are talking a huge transition uh, in the faith and therefore, uh, as because of this faith and worthiness and dedication to the Saviour, the, the power that, that, that Peter has from the Lord. Um, it's fascinating, that verse, really interesting. Um, and then, of course, we move forward and they are taken, uh, put into prison. The prison, you know, that is opened by an angel and they go to the temple. Uh, and then it comes to a point where, again, they say, didn't we tell you to stop doing this? And... Peter says, and the, and the other apostles, because we are focusing a lot on Peter here, but of course the other apostles are involved in doing these great miracles. They answer and say, we ought to obey God rather than man, uh, which of course is uh, a typical reaction. Uh, if you've been got such this strong witness that you have to go forward and talk, teach it. We, we, we read this principle often. Uh, for example, in Doctrine and Covenants chapter 30, verse 1, uh, it's, uh, it's the Saviour talking to David Whitmer. Uh, and it says this, Behold, I say unto you, David, that... You have feared man and have not relied on me for strength as you ought. Uh, so, you know, we, 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 we understand and recognise why the apostles, you know, if they have truly received this witness and they see these great miracles, and this is why. So obviously the layman was affected, the, the rulers and the high priests were affected. I think Peter and John uh, and the other apostles were affected because not only did this miracle show that they were doing the right thing, they were doing a great work, and that the Saviour was with them, but also it's, it's kind of developing them and helping them to understand, well, this is, this is the Lord's work. There is everything behind this is from Him. 
and it would have built their faith even further um, to the point where they could stand in front of many rulers and the, the, the sect of the uh, Sadducees and say, we would rather obey God. Now, what happens next is very interesting because we see this another council, if it were, once you know the apostles have said these things. It says in verse 33, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. So we kind of start to now see some murderous intent coming from these groups. However, uh, there is one uh, who stands up and says uh, in verse 36 of chapter 5, For before these days rose up Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. Um, and after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of taxing, and drew away much people after him, he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel, or this work, be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. I or rather, in the Joseph Smith translation, be careful, therefore, lest ye be found even to fight against God. I, I find this a, a fascinating exchange of words. really do. Because he's basically saying here, well, guys... People have come up like this before and tried to do things and, you know, they've eventually died and people have been dispersed. So just leave it, basically. If it's not of God, if it, well, if it's of man, uh, then it will stop eventually. Uh, but if it's of God, then we should really be fighting against it. And so just let them get on with it. Uh, and that just kind of shows the spiritual state, I guess, of, of the spiritual leaders <laughs> at the time of the apostles. If they're not sure if it's from God and they're just going to say, well... Do you know what? We're going to leave it because it may be from God, so we shouldn't fight it. I mean, surely they should be the ones that are seeking to ask God if it's from God. But anyway, that's kind of an issue that they had to deal with. Finally, um, they agreed on that. Um, but even so, in verse 40, they beat the apostles and told them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Uh, and then they go forward and the apostles go to the temple. And I think uh, to finish, I want to share this quote uh, by... Elder David B. Haight, who talked about uh, kind of the, what the apostles were doing and, you know, just how it was a, a great example to us. Um, he said this in the April 19, 1988 General Conference, quote, The early apostles fearlessly continued to preach the principles of the gospel as we do today, calling upon mankind to believe in the Son of God, our Saviour, and to repent, to repent and be baptised for the remission of sins and to receive the Holy Ghost in preparation to have administered unto them even higher ordinances of the gospel. Those early disciples declared to those seeking truth in plainness, plainness that as the Holy Ghost rested upon them, filling their hearts with joy, they would know of the doctrine for themselves, whether it be of God or man. Close quote. So thank you for, for listening uh, to, to this uh, session today. So much to learn of, uh, to learn about in this week of Come Follow Me, and I've still got some more things to write down about kind of what I've talked about today. Uh, I'm grateful for your time for listening. If you have anything to share uh, that you've studied, please do so at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter. Uh, and I look forward to, to speaking to you again tomorrow. Until we meet again.